0: do not want another mid episode
1: that would be the actual worst.
0: <laughs> you were so sad.
1: I'm still sad about it. That's how <laughs> much things affect me. And that was that was like what? Like our episode 13? Yeah. 14? 3 years ago. <laughs> it's been a while.
0: It's been a while since Creed last had an album. <laughs> I, don't I don't know. know. Maybe I don't there's something think that many... that's Creed. A lot of those
1: what? <laughs> it's not Creed, no. <laughs> Who is it? It's someone like insane. It's like what? It's Googling. It's been a while. <laughs> it's by Stained. Yeah. It's been a while. Is that like
0: the guy from Creed's side project?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Probably. That's funny.
0: The guy from Creed.
1: So we're here today, Gabe. It's very echoey in here.
0: Yeah, acoustics are
1: suboptimal. I can't. I can't promise anything. We'll just, just hold your hands up like this to catch yeah. the sound. We're here today to talk about a movie. But before we talk about that movie,
0: we got to talk about something else.
1: I want to mention Gaspar Noé. Gaspar Noé, a very <laughs> a very fantastic art house director named Gaspar Noé. Uh, he directed a movie called Vortex and I fully wanted to watch it and cover it on this cast, but we didn't get to it. I, in fact, had a huge laundry list of movies that I wanted to cover on this podcast. cast. <laughs> podcast. I almost said popcast.
0: Popcast. I'm like a
1: moron. I, I still can't stand our name. It's in the name. Anyway, that I wanted to cover on this podcast, um, until I decided we, we can't, we can't watch everything, but we are going to do a couple throwback episodes. Along with Decision to Leave that you just heard, we're going to do Memoria today, but I wanted to acknowledge Vortex and say that I still plan on seeing it at some point. Yeah. Because it looked cool. Now that
0: we've gotten it out of the way, we'll probably watch it tomorrow.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It was essentially, it essentially from the trailer looked like a split screen narrative. So the whole thing is in split screen the whole time. The left half of the screen, you're watching one character, the right half of the screen, you're watching another and... It was also shot on film, I think, and that yeah. also gave it an aesthetic and also made it super cool and interesting. So yeah, we're not going to cover it on this podcast.
0: One of several movies that were actually released in 2021, but we were going to record last year. And this did. was all, yeah, well, that, that one, the, the Memoria, thing is, is that
1: they came out, they hit the, the macro theaters widespread in 2022.
0: Well, yeah, even then it was, I think, pretty small release.
1: Speaking of a small release, we're going we're covering Memoria today. Speaking of a small release,
0: we got Gabe on the cast yeah. today.
1: <laughs> Hi Gabe. Memoria. Memoria. Let's talk about Memoria. All right, Memoria, who directed Memoria, Gabe? I'm
0: glad you asked, Steven. This might be the hardest <laughs> name we've ever had to pronounce on the podcast. Luckily for me, I did some.
1: Really, that's weird because you pronounce some really hard names.
0: Yeah, they only get worse over time. Not to your avail either. No, no, no. But I did some light research today. (laughs)
1: Like reflective, or no, no, no.
0: uh... Just specifically on how to say this name.
1: Oh, okay. Of this director, pong.
0: Don't laugh.
1: <laughs> it's not the way that you're saying it. It is. No, it's how you look when you say it. Because <laughs> you're so insecure, and <laughs> I'm doing like you hand put your, you put your hand up Just in there like. Is it Apacha? I speak with my hands. Apacha, Wong.
0: All right, keep going. That's his first name, Apacha Pong. <laughs> you did it again. <laughs>
1: I know. I have to keep going.
0: We rastical.
1: <laughs> oh, there's more. <laughs> There's more. Oh, my goodness.
0: I, we, this is so insensitive.
1: I'm not insensitive <laughs> toward this director. This uh, I, I'm not going to say his name. I'm going to say the director the, of Memorial. It's spelled
0: just as uh, crazy as, as it's pronounced.
1: Uh, but he is... Show me, show me really quick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> we, we... We rastical. We ra- oh, we're rastical. We rastical. We yeah. rastical.
0: Thanks. I listened to Mark Kermode say it, and now I feel uh, like I know how to say it, so... He is an acclaimed writer, director, editor, auteur, I guess you could say, out of Thailand. and
1: Can you name some other things he's directed?
0: Yeah, of course. Was Most, I think, famous probably, you know, famous within that community of filmmakers and cinephiles would be Uncle Boon May, who can recall his past lives.
1: Sounds like a... 2010. Last Airbender character.
0: Yeah. All of his movies are like this. They're all very slow and meditative and... Um, there's a lot going on that's hard to parse out while you're watching it, but I think they're very rewarding.
1: I was joking about that, by the way, because there's a character in Last Airbender called Boomy. Boomy. And you said boome so it was, it was kind of like a joke. Yeah. Anyway. So we watched this movie. I wanted to watch it. Uh, me too. We've been wanting <laughs> to watch it for over a year, but we set out before we come to record, we need to at least watch one of these backstanding films that we haven't gotten to yet. Vortex, Memoria... Mad God, Interface, yeah. and RRR, and you said Memoria, so I was like, okay. Yeah. So here, here we are. Whenever, it.
0: whenever it came out, which was I don't know if it was 2021 or 2022, based on domestic versus international in the West, but it was actually Colombia's submission to the Best International Feature for the Oscars, I think, for that year. Cool. I don't think it won, but it that it got a lot. It won like some award, like the Palm or the whatever the Palm de what do you call it? I don't know, man. It, it had a lot of indie hype going into it. And it's a pretty, I mean, for the average viewer, it's going to be a pretty polarizing experience. Not for everyone. I certainly wouldn't recommend it to my folks. Um, <laughs> but You people, mean your parents? Yeah. Okay. But people like, well, because they're probably just going to be staring at this. Cause they're going to be staring through the television set. Sure. Uh, after like the first couple shots. So we should probably talk about what this what this movie is. You
1: know. Yeah. Let's talk about first who stars in it. Yeah, of course. First and foremost, and the only person that I know is yeah. Tilda Swinton.
0: I think the only prominent western actor is going to be uh, or I mean, American actor, actress or for uh she she's American, right? I'm not sure if she's. I think she's British. British? Yeah. British. We'll just stick with white, the white actress. <laughs> uh, Tilda Swinton, amazing performer. <laughs> and I don't know if I can think of honestly anyone better suited for this kind of role where it's very restrained and there are so many little subtle choices in the nuance of her physical acting which drives these scenes forward because there's often not a lot being said or done or done (laughs) but the way Tilda Swinton moves and the way she expresses her moves she mows the way she expresses herself through the physical acting is really (laughs) I feel like there are so few people who can do it that way. I don't know. Yeah, I think she's one of the greats. I think we're gonna look back. She's good. The next generations. I think. From now. I
1: think the first thing I ever saw her in was Chronicles of Narnia. Probably she would played the White Queen or the the white, the white Witch or whatever the those the Winter the one with the Turkish the, delight. the Winter Witch. Yeah, yeah. And I that's kind of a, that to me. I think. I don't know if it was her breakout, but it was, it, it was something that I like, put her tangentially on the map.
0: I think for millennials, that was probably the first time that a lot of people had <laughs> seen her. And that was, uh, yeah, the first of many great performances. She's she always great in that. Yeah. She's such a great, What what's funny is she's, she has like a leading lady kind of thing sometimes, but yeah. she's a, an incredible character actress.
1: Honestly, when this movie started, I thought we were getting another tar cause it was like really slow, uh, a lot of long takes, a lot of kind of theoretical speak and it wasn't tar thankfully but it was what? it was kind of a yeah i know sorry i didn't like tar as much my as second favorite film of so, last year okay sorry it wasn't tar but it was it was a leading actress who's very talented in a role that kind of spearheads the film and you can't take your eyes off of so with that being said we're gonna break for a song because that's something we do <laughs> and today's song it's going to be by a band called Future Islands. Oh. And it's a song that I like by them because they're a really cool band. The singer's got a very unique voice. Reminds me a lot of not in sounding, but as far as unique voices go, like the lead singer of The National. Oh, yeah. But anyway, this song's called King of Sweden. And here we go.
0: Yes, That was actually the first time I'd heard him. Oh, really? And I was so taken by that scene there where they're, like, dancing in slow motion with the strobing lights.
1: Yeah, there were some cool scenes in that movie.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You hated that movie.
1: Anyway, Memoria. What is Memoria? Memoria. Memoria.
0: Memoria.
1: (laughs) I'm kind of doing a uh, Princess Bride thing, but instead of saying marriage, I'm saying, Memoria. 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 (laughs) 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 <laughs> All right, so Memoria was, kind of like we were saying, very, very slow. So slow that sometimes I was worried that my TV froze. Yeah. Like <laughs> like almost in every scene, I was worried that my t- my TV froze and that I had to get up and turn it off or grab it from my remote control.
0: A lot of the shots will just sit there and linger for minutes at a time, even when there's nothing really happening in the frame. Which,
1: which we should say... Probably isn't for everyone, but for Gabe and I, I think is really gripping. I fucking love it. <laughs> because it's exactly up the surrealist alley that we enjoy coming off the likes of things like David Lynch. Mm-hmm. I was going to say shmavid Schminch, Shmavid shminch. But David Lynch. Is there anyone else? No one does it like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just him. Yeah, it's him and Apachat and, uh, Pong. Yeah. No, no, there's, there's, there's many other surrealist filmmakers, so many that I probably couldn't even name all of them, but, um, the review slash analysis that I listened to today called it, um, kind of like ambient filmmaking, not to say that there's not
0: much going on, but that there's so much going on, but it's so quiet and still and restrained that you have to kind of like be not just paying attention, but you have to like be intentionally like analyzing what's going on. You have to be sure clever with the filmmaking as an audience member sure or else you're just gonna lose focus and and (laughs) just drift away
1: yeah how would you it's also worth noting off the bat this film is mostly in spanish yes we did not know that going in i didn't have subtitles and i was watching it and some of it was in english so it was really misleading and i also know a little bit of spanish so i I thought (laughs) maybe i should just roll with it but it was a little bit over my head, as is any Spanish speaker that would come and speak to me in Spanish. It's a little over my head. Can you speak Spanish to me now? Sí, siempre, todos los días.
0: Oh, wow. That's sí. a pretty good accent, too. I
1: can say, juro, fidelidad a la bandera de los Estados Unidos de América de la República que representa la nación para Dios invisible con libertad y siste para todos. That's crazy. That's just the Pledge of Allegiance in Spanish. Do you practice that?
0: No. Oh.
1: <laughs> literally never.
0: That's crazy. I mean you have a pretty good memory though so it makes sense but i also
1: took three years of spanish in high school i wasn't very intentional about a lot of the classes that i took but spanish i cared a lot about because i was like this is something that could actually be useful to me in life Definitely. and so i i particularly paid attention when taking spanish classes and so i took three years because i the th- even the third year was an elective year because you only had to take two to graduate. Yeah. Um, because I liked it and I wanted to learn more Spanish. So I was, I was very intentional about it. And I remember a lot of it. I, a, a lot of the um, vocabulary though is the thing that I forget and, and the conjugation of verbos. Anyway, so. I don't know
0: where you want to go next, but. I don't we, know where to go next. Can I just briefly can talk you? about the story? Oh, can you? Because <laughs> I actually saw the subtitles. Okay. And I, so I actually have. An, okay. And, no, it. <laughs> no I, And I did a little bit of uh, research afterwards to kind of parse out the film. Because I really liked it. Dagger through the heart. I really like. not to say... I'm kidding. Go ahead. Go ahead. But so, okay, this movie, it takes place in Colombia. Tilda Swinton is like an orchid farmer. She works with flowers. She's visiting... (laughs) Cut that, editor. She's visiting a whore. (laughs) (laughs) She's visiting her sister in Bogota, who is ill and... There's a lot of subtext here that I'm going to gloss over for the sake of this very quick synopsis. Tilda um, Swinton starts hearing this strange sound, and it's actually, I think it's from uh the director's personal experience with Parasomnia, which is where he has trouble sleeping. He has these kind of violent, uh, intrusive sensory experiences while he's trying to sleep. Gosh. And I don't know if this is the sound he heard in real life, but... In the film, she, Tilda Swinton keeps hearing this kind of earthy crunching sound. It's like this percussive bang that she describes as a concrete ball kind of falling into something underwater.
1: And sound design wise, yeah, what when they even sat to sound design it in the movie, because there's a scene where they do that, and it's what I would have started with, it's a body hit. So a, yeah. a very, if you imagine like someone getting hit in the chest while watching a movie and the sound design behind that, like a deep thud like a boom it's it's a lot like that so and it happens very violently in the opening scene by the way of which i didn't know if the movie had started so (laughs) i i go to turn up my volume to hear if i could hear any kind of noise or anything like any background room tone and (laughs) and then at like 30 points higher than i normally listen to things This huge, massive, (laughs) booming, like, (laughs) boom. And I was like, oh, geez, I just woke up my kids. But, yeah, Yeah. anyway.
0: It happens so suddenly. And this, this movie is all about, before you get into themes and subtext and stuff, it's all about sensory experience. And so a lot of everything from that sound down to the room tones, it's very intentional, and I recommend you watch this either at a loud volume, not loud enough to disrupt your sleeping children, but... Maybe with headphones on, something like that, I think it'll amplify the effect of the movie. Yeah, well. Anyway, Tilda is in Columbia and she starts hearing the sound. It's very problematic for her. She thinks she's starting to go crazy. And so the two and a half, two two hour runtime is following her kind of through the course of a few you know, a few days to a couple of weeks of her life as she's trying to discover the nature of the sound. Towards the end of the
1: movie that leads her to this farm. She keeps hearing it too. Yeah. In different scenes, she's like sitting at a, at dinner with some friends or something. And much like that. Yeah. We're there's there's literally now. fireworks going off right now. Cause my neighborhood never stops celebrating 4th of July. 4th <laughs> of July all year long. Yeah, but, um, she's sitting there at dinner and she keeps hearing this, this banging sound over yeah. and over again while people are talking, they're trying to talk to her and, and she just keeps hearing the bong,
0: bong. Yeah. And it becomes more frequent. And more intrusive to the point where she ends up finding herself on this farm in the jungle with a gentleman who kind of explains to her more or less. But
1: how does she find herself there? I
0: don't remember. Well, that's
1: that's the thing about this movie, though. I want to just make a point of like a dream before we move on. Is you don't really know how things are happening or why they're happening most of the time. I just want to make that clear. It's very long, slow. (laughs) You don't know how she ends up to different places. You kind of there's a lot left open to the mind of the viewer. Anyway, keep going. So she finds herself in the jungle.
0: Yeah, I'm jumping over a lot of things. Like yeah, she meets a lot of people, but like Mario. Yeah, and I don't want to give away
1: because he jumps over a lot of things. <laughs> I'm just
0: kidding. didn't expect a Mario Memorial reference. Uh, Mario Memorial. It's a Mario. It's a Memorial <laughs> Luigi. Uh, <laughs> Tilda Swinton would have made a great Mario. I just want to say, okay, you said it. <laughs> um, yeah, and I'm not going to reveal. I don't think for the sake of this podcast we need to talk about exactly how this movie ends. I, if this sounds vaguely interesting to the, to you, listener, it's worth peeping. The end of this movie is is crazy, and if you've stuck with it through an hour and forty five minutes, I think the last thirty minutes are pretty rewarding. It ends with uh, more or less explaining, like. There is ambiguity, but you get to learn kind of like what the nature of the sound is. So it's pretty cool. But there's a lot going on in this movie about... And, and
1: even that's still vague, though, too.
0: Yeah. But you do get to see it, what is making the sound. <laughs> so that that's you, true. you get that much.
1: You do get that much.
0: Sometimes that's more than David Lynch would give you.
1: That's true. And it leaves you still in a vague place. Yeah. Um. But I, I would say... Uh, out of 10 for me. Yeah. I was actually
0: going to give it an easy eight. I'm really happy that you finally like kind of like you
1: rolled double fours, you know? Yeah.
0: And I think the more I think about it and the more I try to critically analyze it and, or I listen to people talk about it, uh, the more it, it like sweetens the memory of it. And yeah, I don't know if I'll ever watch it again because it is so long and slow. But it is such a cool movie for someone like me who appreciates the long takes, that kind of ambient filmmaking where so much is relying on just sound design, that sort of thing. It's uh, definitely at my aisle. So, and just the the depth of the themes and the text, like just to pick one out of the hat, like the understanding of the land and the people and the the I'm just blanking on the vocabulary.
1: Story of my life, man.
0: The the. <laughs> <laughs> the coming together of those, uh, forces, like a lot of this movie, it's talking about the one of the metaphorical, like emerging, the unifying, yeah, the emerging concepts here is like the history of the land and people's relation to it. Uh, mm. and how humans are kind of like growing out of sync with, you know, the earth and with each other. And we're kind of losing, we're losing our grip on reality and uh, a lack of understanding for our surroundings and our environment and how that's ultimately a negative thing mm-hmm. and causing a lot of bad stuff, like cognitive dissonance and how that can was affect... It, was it a little bit like Bardo in that way? It was, yeah. Bardo is... I actually thought of a couple movies while I was watching this, and something you know up the aisle of Alejandro Iñárritu is definitely one of the things I was thinking. Uh, yeah. We didn't have any fisheye here, but the ideas and the concepts that he plays with in terms of the history of people and the history of land. Yeah. And even to throw around buzzwords, like I was telling you earlier, like industrialization and colonization and war and stuff like that, it all comes into play sure, and it's all touched on here in this movie in a pretty interesting way, a very poetic way. And there's even literally poetry in the film. Um, So that's pretty cool. It very art house, you know, again, not for everybody, but very cool for the cult podcast. I think. Yeah, so there wasn't much of a score here. There was a, someone credited for a score, but honestly, I think there was probably only diegetic sound in the film. Wasn't yeah. much to, to play. There was a cool jazz interlude um, that I could probably dig up right in the middle of the movie. You remember that scene? Barely. Tilda Swinton's walking through the audio labs, and she just stumbles upon this room where some oh, guys are yeah, tearing it yeah, up.
1: yeah, that was cool.
0: And it's literally like a five to ten minute scene. Yeah, of, of just guys, watching just a band, playing jazz. just watching a band. Yeah, and it was a great
1: <laughs> session too. I don't know. I think, but that was also an analogy for like how important sound was in this movie. Yeah, and and the importance that that played. So it really carved out the space for listening. So yeah, let's find up that number or find that. I'll dig it up piece of music. I'll dig it up and like we'll they'd... play it right here, for just for Gabe. Thanks. Thanks You're welcome. You're welcome. Your